Welcome to Common Ground, a podcast encouraging debate and a deeper understanding of hot-button topics in Berlin and beyond. I'm your host, Soraya Sarhadi Nelson. Chancellor Angela Merkel defined politics in Germany for a generation. With her gone, younger German politicians have a unique opportunity to reshape the governance of their country and address key topics facing it. In this episode, we hear from three young MPs who are part of this inaugural generation in the German Parliament, or Bundestag. They took part in a recent town hall that Common Ground co-hosted with our partner, the German Marshall Fund of the United States. The MPs are Adis Ahmetovich, who is with the SPD, or Social Democrats, and sits on the Foreign Affairs Committee. Merle Spellerberg, who is with the Green Party and who is also on the Foreign Affairs Committee, and Ria Schröder, who is with the FDP, or Liberal Democrats, and is the Deputy Education Policy Spokeswoman for her faction. Their parties make up the Traffic Light Coalition, that is the first German government in 16 years without Merkel at the helm. What follows are excerpts from our online forum on February 8th. First of all, you're starting your legislative tenures at a time when Europe is on the brink of war. And it's also a time where significant cracks are emerging in the transatlantic relationship. If anybody watched that press conference uh, that uh, was held with President Biden and Chancellor Schultz, uh, you could tell that Joe Biden was really adamant about setting the agenda when it came to Russia. And it definitely had a different feel to it than when Angela Merkel stood next to Joe Biden before. So, Addis, at a time of crisis, crisis. Do you see Germany as being in a weakened position because Angela Merkel is no longer at the helm? Um, I think you will not be surprised if I'm saying no. Um, Olaf Scholz is a really good Bundeskanzler. And um, I'm really sure that Joe Biden, as a president of the United States, and Olaf Scholz are a really good team. And Germany and the United States are always strong if they are working together. And we are working together for one big thing that is defend peace in Europe on the border of Ukraine and Russia, also to stabilize the situation in the Western Balkan. And I'm really thankful for the statement of Joe Biden. He said that the Western Balkan is also a very important region and to deal with it. And as a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee and as a rapporteur for the Western Balkan, last week I visited Belgrade and Sarajevo. So I can really and support him in this position also. I just I just can support the position of Olaf Scholz for the, I think, really good position in save and defend the peace in Europe, in Ukraine and Russia and also in Western Balkan. So I think Germany is very strong and um, Germany now his pos- position in the European Union is the strongest economic power in the European Union and also I think one of the closest friends and cooperation partner of the U.S. But, Ria, do you agree with that? I mean, obviously, again, there was some discomfort yesterday. I understand where Addis is coming from. But but do you think that there is some concern that Germany is somehow being perceived as weaker? Certainly, there hasn't been a super coherent policy on Ukraine that's been spoken about by this particular administration here, this particular government. It has been criticized, shall we say, uh, in the United States and in other countries and certainly by Ukraine. It's a new situation for um, many people in the world because everybody knows Angela Merkel and uh, especially for the younger generation, many young people have been born even after Angela Merkel already was chancellor. So I understand that 
it's a new situation and that many people are a little insecure on how things will be now as she's not there anymore. She has been a figure of stability in the world and especially for Germany. So I understand that some people are yeah, not yet sure how the situation will be with Olaf Scholz and also Annalena Baerbock, our foreign minister. But I'm very sure uh, that they will do a good job and they know that there is an important and a critical situation right now, but we know that uh, especially the US is a strong ally for the EU and especially for Germany. We will keep on doing this. Uh, the transatlantic partnership is very important for our coalition. And what is the most important thing in the situation now is that we are not only talking with the US, we will be talking with Russia, but we are talking about the Ukrainian people and we will defend the, the peace in Ukraine and will make sure that especially the young people that are now in the Ukraine and they are facing the situation that they might be going to war, that we will do the best to make sure that they are not going to war. And so I think on that background, some of the uh, actions that our politicians did in the past uh, weeks, some of them were not understood, but they are facing uh, towards this goal. And um, I think in foreign policies, often it's only uh, possible to judge the situation afterwards. But I will be very happy when in the end, we can make sure that the situation does not escalate between Russia and the Ukraine. And I think that uh, will show uh, if it was the right way or not. But I'm pretty sure that it will be. And I'm confident that in a few years, uh, many people will say that uh, our current chancellor and also our foreign minister did a good job in this critical situation. So, Mela, do you agree? I mean, your party holds the foreign ministry. So I'm wondering, uh, is the German policy towards Ukraine what it should be? And if not, what should it be? I think it's exactly as it should be, because I think especially um, what our foreign minister, Annalena Baerbock, highlights all the time is that the only way out of the crisis is political and that that is only possible through dialogue. So as Ria already mentioned, our uh, transatlantic partnership is the most important thing, but it's also really important to keep up the dialogue to Moscow and to um, have those channels open because in the same way, supplying weapons to Ukraine does not contribute to de-escalation. And if we should change our policy in that way, that could also potentially stop those channels of dialogue. And I think that would be dangerous in the current situations. And I think another change to our former foreign policy with all uh, we just talked about is that even though we do not have the factor of the stability of Angela Merkel, I think the foreign policy of Germany and the different ministries involved is more coherent now than it was before. Let me ask each one of you then, should the transatlantic relationship be redefined? Because obviously it's, it is different. It sounds different than it was uh, under Angela Merkel for 16 years and through different administrations. How do you think it should be redefined um, and how would you go about it? So what I think is um, we've seen a bit of struggle in the past years, um, not only from our side, but especially in the U.S. government that has not always been a stable partner as, as it has been in the past. So what I think is the transatlantic partnership is crucial in the world that we see now. We have 
the threat from Russia, we have the threat from China, and they are growing stronger. So a value-based partnership is more important than ever. But I see also that uh, the roads have changed. And I see that uh, Germany um, within the EU has to have a louder voice and has to have an own stand in many issues and be not only this little brother, but be a brother at the same age and on the same um, height as the US. And I also see that when I speak to people in the US that there is a lot of struggle inside the country and that also weakens the power of the voice the US has in the international view. So I think we have to grow together, but also focus on the growing ourselves. Otis, you wanted to add something? I'm not so happy about the connotation of the question because Kanzler Scholz was the vice Kanzler of Angela Merkel. He always supports um, the cooperation between the US and Germany. I think it doesn't change so much. Just one thing is different. The US policy for defend the peace in Ukraine is to export or import weapons. Germany is in a very special situation because of the history. And we decided not to import weapons in the Ukraine. It would be the first time in our history to import weapons in this region. But we are the strongest state which um, supports the Ukraine with humanitarian goods. And I think to save the Ukraine and especially the people in Ukraine, we need both. And it's good that the U.S. is supporting the Ukraine on this way, but it's also good and should be supported by the U.S. that Germany is supporting the Ukraine and the Ukraine society with human goods. So don't let's um, create um, two different sides. I think it's a good teamwork in this thing. And um, the U.S. should understand the special um, situation, the special role of Germany in the European Union, also in Europe. So I think we are in a really good way. Let's remember how difficult the situation was two weeks ago. And now we are, on, I think, on a very good way to save the peace in this region. So we have to work, um, as Merle mentioned, um, on a policy way, not on a military way. Because if a war starts in Ukraine, Russia, it will not just be a war in Ukraine, Russia. It will be a domino effect. It will be a bigger war, in my opinion. So we have to do everything um, not to start a war against Ukraine, Russia, maybe with Russia. Mela, do you think that there should be any tweaking of the relationship, or do you agree with Addis's assessment? I would definitely highlight what Addis said about the development and economic cooperation, especially when it comes to the issue of Ukraine, that our role is very important in that aspect. And when it comes to the transatlantic relation, I think we have a very strong foundation which we can build upon. And I think one thing that would strengthen our uh, relationship even more also in the future is to focus even more not just on a political and um, diplomatic uh, relations, but also to even further uh, strengthen uh, the civil society relations uh, between both our countries. So now I'm going to go to Abby and see if we have any questions from the audience. Um, We have one from Ulrika Franke. Do you think on foreign policy there's a difference between the next generation's thinking and the generation before? 
or do we make too much of this and in the end there is continuity i think that very often the differences are not that much actually between generations but more between political uh, backgrounds but i think that they're also having uh, a look at political science uh, in the background and just the academic background that there has been a change generally speaking for example with the perspective to human security not saying that older generations do not support that concept but i think in generally younger generation has earlier learned about the concept or to deal about this and i mean for example one of my main issues that i want to work on is a feminist foreign policy with all that so and i mean one of the main issues of a feminist foreign policy for example is human security and i think there are more younger politicians that support the idea of a feminist foreign policy for example and the changes that go um, with that approach but i think generally talking about um, conflicts of generation there were always exceptions but i think there is a slight change i guess you can say but i'm really looking forward to hear in the others one thing uh, maybe mala didn't want to talk um, about um, herself but we have really young people young politician in the foreign affairs committee and that's not normal that's not typical because always older people want to be in the foreign affairs committee and for the young people it's very difficult to get in because you have to wait one pirate the second one maybe the third one and maybe be 50 years old or older and now Merle and me we are under 30. Merle is the vice speaker of a political party and I think it's it's a really big win for the foreign affairs committee and maybe I also can do some good things for my political party in my um, group, for the SPD group and the Foreign Affairs Committee. So I'm really happy about it to work in the teamwork with Merle together because young people are looking different on some conflicts. We are a um, peace generation. We don't know how it is to live in war and that's good. And we want to defend peace on the other way. And because of that, it's good that many young people are in the Foreign Affairs Committee like Merle and me. Okay, Abby, any other questions? From Anders Asland, what are your comments about President Zelensky refusing to see Annalena Baerbock in Kiev? Isn't that embarrassing for Germany's policy on Ukraine? Who would like to take that? Perhaps Miala, since uh, it's your party? I think, generally speaking, it's not an embarrassment for our foreign policy if someone does not want to speak to our foreign um, minister. And as I've said, I think Annalena Baerbock's position has been as good as we um, could have imagined. So I actually wouldn't have anything uh, to add there. I really don't want to um, just defend uh, the Foreign Affairs Ministry of Baerbock just because we're in a coalition, but I have to do it right now. It's not helpful to provocate on this way and it's also not helpful to create maybe pressure against Germany because we don't want to import weapon goods to Ukraine because on the other hand we are supporting the Ukraine on the economic way and also the humanitarian goods and no one is or no other state is doing the same like us and we are investing very much million of euro and dollar in the Ukraine. I think it's also a very good support. And so I was a bit surprised about the reaction. 
Well, as a quick follow-up, because we didn't mention the word Nord Stream, and that's kind of important, and it's very important to many Germans, uh, gases, certainly, natural gas. So I'm wondering if one of you, and I'm just going to ask one of you to answer this, and you can decide which one, um, has any thoughts about Joe Biden being very forceful and saying, if Russia invades Ukraine, that's the end of Nord Stream 2. Um, it's nothing new. I think Joe Biden just repeats um, a position of Olaf Scholz last week. And in the last week, um, Olaf Scholz said, if uh, Russia attacks the Ukraine, Nord Stream 2 is an game over project. And because of that, it's nothing. It's nothing new. So it's okay. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll hear more from Germany's newest lawmakers. Stay tuned. The Germany Experience Podcast, where foreigners share their experiences of living in Germany. Supermarkets here drive me insane. But I just said, what are you staring at? No, stop it. Stop it. Oh, she's crying. <laughs> there was a shepherd leading a flock of sheep <laughs> down the street. And they give us some advice. Find ways to stay connected to home. Learn how to drive through the roadworks. If you really want to connect with people, learning the language is the key to that. The Germany Experience Podcast. Life in Germany through the eyes of outsiders. Hello, this is Abby, presenter and co-creator of Berlin Briefing. Do you find yourself having trouble understanding the news of the Hauptstadt, usually presented in German? If so, Berlin Briefing can help. We curate local top stories and present them in an 8-10-minute podcast in English every Monday through Friday. You can find us at berlinbriefing.de or wherever you get your podcasts. Democracy. I'm Rachel Tausenfreund, one of the hosts of the German Marshall Fund's podcast, Out of Order. Join our conversations with leaders and experts on what the dark side of tech does to democracy, how the pandemic shapes geopolitics, and other topics of global order and disorder. You can find our episodes and miniseries at gmfus.org or wherever you find your podcasts. We are the German Marshall Fund of the United States, strengthening transatlantic cooperation since 1972. Welcome back to Common Ground. I'm Soraya Sirhadi Nelson, and you are listening to a town hall we recently co-hosted with our partner, the German Marshall Fund of the United States. The panelists are Adis Ahmetovic of the Social Democrats, or SPD, Mela Spellerberg of the Green Party, and Ria Schröder with the FDP, or Liberal Democrats. They are among the newer members of the German Parliament, or Bundestag, and are part of the first post-Merkel government. Here's more of what they had to say during the online forum on February 8th. Okay, so we're going to move on to domestic issues. Basically, I'm going to start with Ria, and I'm going to ask you, do you think Germany can maintain its competitiveness when it comes to innovation and tech? I mean, certainly it's been lagging behind in some areas. China offers great competition. What do you think? We do not have like resources from the ground or anything. What we have is the resource uh, that comes with people and with the education that we offer them. So what I think is very important is that we do not lose the talents that we have in our country and that we invest more in education and um, in the universities that we have. Because I see that countries like China try 
to compete in, uh, in these sections, but not in a way that uh, we like to compete. We want to make the rules when it comes to human rights, uh, with, when it comes to um, privacy, for example, which we think is very important. So if we develop new technologies, it has to be very important that we do that on the base of values. And I think we can only compete when we are stronger and better but on the basis of values. And that is why I think education will be much more important in the future. And that is why I am a member of the education part of the Bundestag. So I think it's so important, but we are able to do it when we set the framework for it now. Addis, I want to talk to you a little bit about climate change because you advocated for a 365 uh, euro, basically, transit ticket, one euro a day as uh, one of the items when you were running. How do you see your government being tougher on ending coal than, I mean, do you see it being tougher than past coalition governments, given the fact that Germany remains the largest consumer and producer of coal in Europe? Mm. We have very complex challenges. On the one hand, the corona pandemic. On the other hand, the climate, um, the climate change and climate crisis. And this new government, the Green Party, the Liberal Party, and the Social Democratic Party in the coalition is the best thing what can happen in this time right now. And to look at our climate um, change or climate policy, I think we have to talk about the transformation of energy, the transformation of mobility. And uh, my um, campaign point um, or the main point of my campaign was the transformation of um, mobility because I'm from Hanover. It's a big city in Germany. And we started four years ago with a new ticket for the Trump and for the bus, 15 euro per month for young people. And um, so many young people use the Trump and also new mobilities like the bus. And I think like in Vienna, the 365 euro ticket can motivate the people to let the cars at home and uh, to use the bus and also the train. That's one big um, issue and challenge to change the mobility because we in Germany have a very special feelings if we are talking about the car. And um, at the same time, it's um, also a very big industry with many um, working places and we have to do it on a very social way. And because of that, this coalition with um, the Liberal and the Green and with the Social Democratic Party is, um, is the best combination to get a, a climate position, a social position and also economic position. Okay, Mela, I'm going to ask you the last question before we go back to audience questions here, and that is about migration. Making it easier for immigrants to come to Germany to live and work is something previous governments have talked about but have not been very successful at fixing. They've also promised a coherent refugee policy, which is yet to happen. Do you think your Bundestag can actually make headway on these issues, considering everything that's going on with Ukraine and with mobility and climate change? Actually, I'm very convinced that we have a real chance uh, of achieving these issues because all of our parties um, share a common idea when it comes to migration, especially when it comes to migration of people who uh, want to work here and who are qualified. And I think, for example, when we look at the um, border between um, Poland and Belarus, I mean, like everybody started talking about hybrid warfare when it came to a situation where one should also talk about the humanitarian crisis and the people who were in real um, danger there. And I think 
there are many relevant points when it comes to this discussion, majorly being um, having a dictator uh, in Belarus who was using the situation of um, these people. But the thing is, and I think that's one aspect um, that was not highlighted enough, is that if the European Union, if Germany would have a decent migration policy and a decent refugee policy, Lukashenko wouldn't have had the chance to use these people to suppress um, the European Union. Abby, any questions from the audience? What could be the future of German policy toward the Western Balkans? Oh, Addis has to answer that one. Oh, as I mentioned before, um, last week I visited um, two and a half days Belgrade and two and a half days Sarajevo because um, I'm a bit afraid of the situation in the Western Balkan. The European Union, the democratic liberal forces, left the Balkan and the Western Balkan in the hands of states which are not democratic and liberal, like Hungary, Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, or maybe also Turkey. And we have different, very complicated and big influences in the region. And the society is really afraid of a new war, like in the 90s. And I really don't want to live um, like in the 90s because my parents came as refugees from um, Bosnia to Gribina to Germany because of the civil war. And in 1993, um, I was born in Hanover. And this um, trauma is not over. And many people can are uh, comparing the situation in the 90s with the situation today. And I think the European Union, especially Germany, um, has to get really close with the US to fight for peace in the Western Balkan. We cannot let this region in the, in the hand of Russia or Hungary because Orban is, tries to divide and tries to destabilize this region. And so in the next few days and weeks, and I hope Merle can support me in this point because I want to try to get it on the agenda um, of the Foreign Affairs Committee and also maybe in the Bundestag. And at the 6th April, 30 years ago, the civil war in Bosnia-Herzegovina started. 200,000 people died. Over 2 million people were refugees in this time. So I really don't want to repeat something like this. I really don't want to be in a position as a politician where I can just look at the situation and we will not deal with it. So we have to be active. We have to think about to reunion um, and to go back in the Eufo mandat, Eufo Altair mandat to support the peace, um, the peace powers in Bosnia-Herzegovina and also to um, support the democratic liberal forces in Serbia. Montenegro, in Kosovo, in Bosnia-Herzegovina, in North Macedonia. So we have really, 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 we have many tasks and it's not so easy, but we have a new government. We have Merle, we have Ria and maybe me and together we can make it. I'm really sure we can. 
Okay, great. So um, we're going to move on uh, because we are running short on time. And I do want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you have been talking about with being younger and newer and having opportunities. To be honest, uh, Mela, you are in the Bundestag. That is not only the first one post-Merkel, but it is younger and has more women members than any Bundestag before. What effect does that have on the legislative body's goals and approach in your estimation? I think just uh, having more perspectives in the Bundestag, not just being female or young, but also um, when it comes to other aspects such as socioeconomic background, ethnicity, religions is just super important. And I think um, having talked about foreign policy, I think another relevant aspect is that having young people in the Bundestag means there are fewer people of the Cold War generation. And I think that actually has a big impact on how we see the world and how we see issues of crisis, especially in Europe. And I think that has a big impact. And generally, I think, I mean, like, I cannot compare the work to the work under the um, Merkel government because I've not been a member of uh, parliament at that point. But my experience as a young P is very positive. I mean, in the Green Party, but also in others, there are many new young member of parliaments and uh, many um, have gotten the opportunity to take on responsibility right away. I mean, um, as you mentioned it, I'm the deputy spokesperson and there are many other people, for example, Deborah During, who's spokesperson for development cooperation, who's also new to the parliament. And um, I have the chance um, to work super closely uh, with our foreign affairs speaker, Jürgen Trottin, um, and learn from him. I mean, he's been minister for environment from 98 to 2004. So I think they're um, coming many things together where we can yeah, learn from each other and also having the close contact with the foreign office and the foreign minister, um, Annalena Baerbeck herself is uh, just really valuable. Uh, Ria, what about you? Do you find that younger voices in your party are being listened to more now than in the past? Absolutely. I mean, uh, the Greens and the Free Democrats were the parties that got the most votes from the younger generation. So that gives us a responsibility to uh, act for the younger generation as well. And that is something we talked about Angela Merkel, stability in the world. So I have respect for her in these sections. But when it comes to um, the affairs in Germany, We see that many, many topics that are especially important for younger people, like education, like digitization, like climate change, have not been on the agenda uh, in the last 16 years. So that is our responsibility to put these topics on the agenda. And also I see that we have responsibility in the communication um, because I see that people our age, we can talk with younger people on a much better eye level than uh, older generation could do that. And so many young people feel involved in the processes that are going on because we use social media on an everyday basis. We do not only send press releases, but we, we talk about what's going on um, and what is important for our fellows. And I think it makes a huge difference. And I recognize that also our parties and also uh, our parliamentary group sees that as an asset and nothing that is like going on their nerves because we are full of visions. We want to change things. And sometimes that can be a little annoying, I guess. But I hope that in any case that our energy will change something for the good. And then it helps even maybe older MPs to see what needs to be changed 
and doesn't has to stay like it is only because it has always been like that. Addis, your party actually was in Angela Merkel's coalition government for two rounds, and there was a lot of strife within the SPD, uh, certainly with the younger and more progressive members with the decisions that were being made by the people that were in the coalition. So how hard is it for you now as the majority leader in the coalition to cast off these decisions that were made by the SPD before? I wasn't a member of the German um, Bundestag the last time, but I also was um, not the biggest fan of the old coalition. Surprise, surprise. And now I'm a big fan of the new coalition. Um, it's so nice to work together with Ria and Merle. We are so young. And, and if you are um, going in the Bundestag and if you're seeing um, the parliament and the committees, there are so many young, female, diverse people, different backgrounds. My background is also international. I have got a chance as a very young man and um, with 27 years old to be the candidate of the Social Democratic Party and now I'm 20 years old. And I think the Social Democratic Party and the Bundestag um, also tried to change a bit the work and maybe to be a bit more dynamic, unconventional, and to try to get new ways of working and doing projects. And we are 25 percent under 35. And the good thing is we are totally different. Also left wing, right wing in the social democratic group, maybe more conservative people, more liberal or more socialists. But we are together a so strong group. And if the older members of the social democratic party and group wants to decide something, they need our voices. And we are so strong together because we are organized in a young group in the Social Democratic Party, in the German Bundestag. And now, if we are using it very clever, we can change very much. And that, that will be our goal. What do you predict will be the main accomplishment of your generation of politicians for Germany in the coming years? And we'll start uh, with Ria. Tough question. Um, so I think the biggest achievement will that we put the topics on the agenda that are most important. And it goes for, for every part. It goes for foreign policy. It goes for education. It goes for digitization. It goes for the pension system, uh, demographic change. So we will uh, put these perspectives on uh, into the parliament and we, make, we will make our voices heard. And um, we will not only have them be heard, but also taken into action. Addis, what about you? What do you see as the main accomplishment that your generation of politicians is going to bring Germany? Peace, democracy, and to fight for these both things. We have to fight for fundamental things, for something what is for our generation normal, but it's not normal anymore. Merle? I think our um, solutions or our um, yeah, what we will achieve will mostly be that we don't uh, look at politics from the perspective what's best today or what do we need today, but also what we need in the future. And I think that's the major change that actually has an influence, an impact on everything, be it um, generation equality, be it climate change and many other aspects, also pensions that uh, Ria already mentioned. And I think having the uh, long-term perspective involved in every decision we make is the one thing that we will contribute. That was German MP Merle Spellerberg with the Green Party. 
Our other guests were MP Adis Ahmetovich with the SPD, or Social Democrats, and MP Ria Schröder with the Liberal Democrats, or FTP. I'm Soraya Sarhadi Nelson, and thanks for listening to this episode of Common Ground, featuring our recent town hall with the German Marshall Fund of the United States. Our other partners are Goethe Institute and Berlin Briefing. Common Ground's senior producer is Dina El Sayed. Our social media editor is Stefano Montali, and our intern is Abigail Megidson. This podcast is made possible through a grant administered by the German Ministry for Economic Affairs and Energy. All of our episodes are available wherever you get your podcasts. If you are on Apple, we'd love for you to write a review on Common Ground. You can also subscribe to the podcast on Spotify. And be sure to check out our website, commongroundberlin.com. 